Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. If you follow me on Snapchat, I'll follow you back, guaranteed. Also on Instagram, IGJHood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studios. We will hear from Quentin Richardson, Chicago's own, coming up at 810. He's an NBA analyst for ESPN. Get his thoughts about the NBA Finals. You hear every game with the NBA Finals right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, game 6 will take place on Thursday night. Uh, we've got a show tomorrow night. Again, it's Wednesday, 7 to 10. Chicago time will be on with Under the Hood. We've got, oh, we've got uh, Dave Lato scheduled. Dave Lato's going to be on. The DePaul Blue Demons head coach and also Rob Perez, Worldwide Wob. Mr. NBA, we'll hear from him tomorrow uh, as well. And uh, don't forget, Thursday, we will have our uh, NBA Finals Game 6 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN. Then back on Friday, we'll do our show starting at 7 o'clock. So, again, it's good to be back with you here. Um, oh, by the way, let me tell you, we got tickets to give away. So I've got a pair of tickets for the Jim Gaffigan Secrets and Pies Tour. <laughs> At the Chicago Theater on Sunday, October 20th. Tickets go on sale on June 14th uh, in a few days at Ticketmaster.com. Listen between 9 and 10 tonight. I'll tell you how you can win tickets to see Jim Jim Gaffigan, the uh, great comedian out of Indiana. We'll get his thoughts. Um, you have your chance to be able to get uh, tickets from him uh, again on October 20th. If you want to go, stay by your listening device and how you can win between 9 and 10 tonight. Jim Gaffigan. Great comedian, Secrets and Pies Tour. Uh, we'll have that for you. It's our way of saying thanks for listening to us weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the Golden State Warriors showed a lot of resolve, I thought, last night by just surviving and defeating the Toronto Raptors in that hostile environment at the Scotia Bank Arena. There they were in Toronto, and that game had a nice evident flow to it. The Warriors had a 34-28 advantage in the first quarter. And then, you, of course, Kevin Durant's the biggest news out of that because he was out there for 12 minutes, had 11 points, two rebounds, three for five from the field. He knocked down all three of his three-point shots, and then the injury occurred. And so that can go either way, right? That can go to the Warriors saying, oh, man, Durant goes down again, so that just is going to be the pin in the balloon. Or... This could be the stick in the beehive, where now you feel more inspired. You want to be able to play for Kevin Durant. I'm not sure either one of those things happened. I just think that you saw the championship medal from the Warriors to be able to survive that matchup. We have seen so often in regular season matches where the Warriors are down 10, down 15, and they're playing okey-doke with their opponent, and now all of a sudden they wake up in the fourth quarter and end up winning the ball game. Well... I, the the game last night did not come down to a Kyle Lowry behind the basket shot, and I know that he's been trolled so much. Social media can be really uh, a cruel mistress. It could really, it really can be. You know why? Because 
while people felt bad for Kevin Durant going down, it's almost like Twitter and Instagram had to find something to make fun of. And you know that, that Kyle Lowry did all he could to try to put a shot up and trying to win that ball game, whatever it took, right? You saw miracle shots from Kawhi Leonard. You saw this all throughout the playoffs. So there was <laughs> this Kyle Lowry put up a, a jumper that you knew wasn't going to go in. And then here comes the Anthony Adams, the Spice Adams memes and gifs and like, you know, putting up ridiculous shots and all this crazy. Like, leave that guy alone. That's not the story. The story is is that the Warriors were able to come back and win that ball game. Down six, and they come back. And, and it's funny. There's so many that are surprised by this. I was not surprised by the ending. I thought the Warriors were going to win last night. Um, I thought that they were going to win, and I thought that you know maybe when they go back to Oracle without Kevin Durant, is a good possibility for the Raptors to win that one. But again, you're down 3-1 against a champion, and you know the Warriors, even without Kevin Durant, are good. They're even more special when Kevin Durant's on the floor. But I, I thought that looking at the most talented team in the NBA, there is some holes to their game, even as talented as they are. With Steph Curry and with Klay Thompson, the way they were able to score the ball, they were uh, 57 points combined for the Splash Brothers. Uh, they were, uh, what is that, 11 for 27 from, or 12 for 27 from three point range? Pretty strong. And so, even without Kevin Durant, you know that Curry and Thompson are going to give their all. That Draymond Green, when he's focused, will be able to give his all. The bench depth, even with Boogie Cousins. And Boogie wasn't Boogie. Boogie has not been the Boogie Cousins we saw with Sacramento or with New Orleans. Because of the injury, he's still working his way back in. He still contributed for 14 points in 20 minutes of play. So there's a championship medal to this team that's always going to try to do their, their damnness to try to keep themselves in the ball game. The three ball keeps them in the ball game. Them going to the foul line gets, keeps them in the ball game. And, and so even without Kevin Durant, it's a good team, but they're even more talented when Durant is, uh, is on the floor. Now, of course, the big storyline is that we saw uh, Kevin Durant go down because of injury. As I mentioned in the last hour, I know there's this blame game trying to figure out, well, why was he on the floor and who's, who's to blame? Is it Bob Myers, the general manager? Is it Steve Kerr? Is it, it, like, to me, the focus for me watching this is that Kevin Durant wanted to play because of you, because of me, because of trolls, because of perception. And that's the thing that annoys me about him the most. I love him as a basketball player. I say this coast to coast all the time about how much I appreciate Kevin Durant as a ball player. But the P word, the perception, don't worry about perception. You do what's best for you. If he didn't play another game in the series, what am I going to say? Well, like Obviously, he wasn't ready to play, but he wanted to go out there and, and prove something. And so he got injured yesterday, and I felt bad for him because Kevin Durant is a great basketball player, but he had not prove anything to me. But he wanted to help his team win. That should be the story today instead of Kyle Lowry with his, his missed shot at the end or the lack of timeouts for Toronto. or, or you know, There's a lot of other storylines. But the number one storyline for me is that here's a guy that wanted to win. And so now all the haters and the trolls, they don't know what to do, so they're going to make fun of Kyle Lowry. Let's hear from uh, Nick Friedel. Nick Friedel says that the Warriors were completely heartbroken that their guy, Kevin Durant, uh, went down with injury last night. 
It's the second saddest postgame locker room I've ever seen in cover in the league. The only thing that comes close is when Derrick Rose tore his ACL in Chicago. You had Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, in tears up at the podium. You had Steph Curry walking back to the locker room, getting applause and an ovation from his teammates as he made his way back in. DeMarcus Cousins is cursing expletives on his way off the floor. Klay Thompson is telling everybody, we have to win this for Kevin. It was the highs and lows, uh, unlike hardly anything else I've ever seen. Then on top of that, Warriors team president Rick Welts uh, is is smiling on his way out of the arena, and he looks up and he goes, enjoy your flight and the next one. So there is a lot of confidence still, despite all the sadness that the Warriors are experiencing. How tight of a group are these Warriors? They're extremely tight. And, Neil, this gets lost a lot because there is so much... Uh, different uh, stuff and emotions that surrounds Kevin Durant in his decision. And there's going to be plenty of time for that over the next couple weeks. But this team has been through so many highs and lows, and they believe in each other in the moment on the floor. And that is what is crucial when you talk about this group. That's why they've had the success that they've had. When push comes to shove and all the money's on the table, they have a way of coming together. And they knew they needed Kevin in order to win. That's why they were telling him all along, if he comes out there, they can find a way. And that's why this group is heartbroken right now, because they knew that if he was there, they could do it. And now all they want is to win two more games and find a way to bring that third trophy back to him and let him be a part of it. So the thoughts there from Nick Friedel, who was covering the game last night. As you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We turn now to a Whitney Young Dolphin. We turn to a DePaul Blue Demon, an NBA veteran and analyst for ESPN. Chicago's own Quentin Richardson joins me, Jonathan Hood, as we talk about the NBA Finals here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Q. Rich, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Man, good to be with you, Jay Hood. Uh, you know, you, man, this has been so much fun uh, to watch these finals, but the thing... Uh, that I watched last night um, was devastating to see Kevin Durant go down with injury. What was your, as you were watching the game, what was your initial reaction to KD going down last night? The same as you, man. I was devastated. I felt like it was, uh, you know, the worst case scenario of everything that, you know, we were watching and we wanted to see happen. And so uh, for me, I just felt really bad for KD in that moment and still do. Um, down six, three minutes left. Golden State comes back. Can you tell me why Golden State had so much resolve to hang in there? KD goes down. That could go either way as far as an emotional uh, attachment uh, for the team. Why did the Warriors hang in there and win that ball game last night? What stood out most? I mean, those guys are champions, man. Time and time again, regardless, uh, you know, player after player step up, stepped up and made play after play. Uh, that's what championship teams do, man. They don't quit. They're never easy to beat or take out. And um, I think you're seeing that type of championship resolve out of them right now. What do you like most about um, about Draymond Green and what he has brought to this Warriors team? You know, here's why I like you. I like Draymond Green because he has to play with a little fire of his ass. He likes to have that feeling of intensity. I think that helps the team. Uh, but I, I want Draymond also to keep in, you know, keep himself in control. He doesn't need to have any technical fouls. What, what do you like about how he's played so far in the finals? I love the way, you know, the energy and the, and the, and the 
and the aura he brings to the game. He brings that tenacity. He does bring, you know, he's been pushing the ball and been able to be versatile. He's even been able to make some spot-up threes, you know what I'm saying, when they dare him to shoot him. So, I mean, I like the versatility he brings and the confidence he brings to the team. They're, you know, they're a confident group, but I think Draymond is a, is probably the heart and soul of, like, the, the, the swagger and the confidence as well as the grit and grind for them. Quinn Richardson with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Q. Rich, when you, you see Durant go down, just when you saw him on the floor, did that not look like vintage KD, the way he was able to knock down jumpers, find his space? What would you think about him on the floor? I was excited, man. I was I thought he was legit about to go for 40. I thought we were about <laughs> to see one of the all-time performances. And, you know, that was what I was hoping. Like, when he came out and got it going that way, I legit was thinking – He's about to go for 40. They're about to blow them out, and this is about to be a whole big deal. <laughs> a turnaround of a series is happening right now. Uh, I, where do you place Durant amongst those type of players that are game changers like that? If he stays on the floor, if he's healthy, you're right, it's a different series to the point where now you look at Golden State being able to come out of this 3-1 hole because Durant being on the floor. But how many game changers can you name in the NBA right now like Durant? Um, I mean, obviously we have a few, but I mean, me personally, he was the best player on the planet right now. I mean, mm-hmm. KD is one of a kind at seven foot who has, you know, who has a crazy wingspan, who can shoot the three, who he was, he was doing the 50, 40, 90 right now in the playoffs, which has never been done before. Like that just shows the type of abilities he has. Then he can handle the ball. He can cross you up and he can post up. It's not really anybody out there like him. Giannis is somebody who's dominant in different things like that, but he can't shoot or handle the ball as good as KD. So, I mean, it's like KD is, is he's for real, like how they call Porzingis the unicorn. KD was for real the unicorn. So, looking at the Raptors' standpoint, there's a number of things that break down with them, Q. So, the, they they had an opportunity uh, going into the fourth quarter, in, in the middle of that fourth quarter, and they were playing well, and then they relinquished that six-point lead. What what was the breakdown that you saw from the Raptors from the start of that quarter to the end of the game? I think I think in the in the in, in the in the fourth quarter they just they just you know throughout this playoffs they struggled in stretches to score the ball, and we saw that Kai Kawhi went cold. And then he, I mean, obviously he picked it up later, but for the third quarter and the most of the fourth quarter, Kawhi was, was struggling to score. And those are the, some of the problems that the Raptors have been faced with this playoffs and obviously this finals right now. Does Kawhi look, does the Kawhi look tired or the Raptors look tired to you? I think Kawhi is definitely, you know, he's he's compiled a lot of minutes. He's played without, you know, the rest and the load management that he's been used to having throughout the season and stuff like that. And we've seen it in certain games show up and he looks kind of tired as well as hobbled a little bit. See, you got to help me out with this, this load management, because I was talking about this last week. <laughs> so, so I mean, because you can speak to it. I can't. So you got to help me with this. So maybe I can come to a, a final you know resolution in my mind about this. So I think Kawhi missed 22 games in the regular season. Not necessarily because of injury, but just because of load management, back you know, getting away from back to backs, and then it's not as many four games as five nights uh, in the league like like when you played. Things are changing a little bit. Silver wants to spread it out a little bit. 
So, right. yes, he's had time off, but now do you think that there's too many back-to-back games from the playoff that he's dealing with? Because to me, if if load management is the, is a problem, then maybe he shouldn't miss so many games. Listen, the way where I come from when I play, we we wanted to play all the games. We wanted to play as much as we could, and, and we when we played, we didn't want to come out of the game. So for me, the whole concept of load management and not wanting to play and taking games off for rest, it's foreign. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of the older players. It's like saying, oh, I don't, I'm still a fan and very much a fan of the NBA. And I just sit back and watch, and there's a lot of things to get done differently. I don't judge. I just think that this is just a different generation of players. There's a different generation of technology going on that lends different information that we were never exposed to. And maybe different guys would have benefited from load management in different eras as well, but we weren't. You know, we weren't privileged to that type of information at that time. You wouldn't have wanted that load management, though. You they, <laughs> right? I'm no. Just, no, you think <laughs> you, you want to go out no, there and I play? Mean, you want to make mean, a difference, I'm, right? I'm, yeah, I, I mean, most of the guys in my in my era, we wanted to play. Like we were upset if we weren't playing. We were complaining about minutes. That's what we we weren't complaining about getting a rest. We were complaining about getting more minutes than that guy or one more minute. What impresses you most about the Raptors at this point? Again, it's it's three to two, and the Raptors have really done some things that I think the Warriors are a little bit taken aback by. What impresses you most about Toronto? The 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 thing that's been most impressive about Toronto has been has by far been their execution, game plan, execution, and then the poise. They've they've been they've been straight pros and straight. Like, we're business. We're here. We're not celebrating when we win. We expect to do this. And I think they take on more so the personality of Kawhi, and I think he's been great for them in that aspect as far as, like, when you listen to the coach nurse, uh, coach Nick Nurse, he's he's saying when you got your best player in the huddle and he's focusing and listening to me, nodding, showing that he's giving me the respect and paying attention and, and focusing to what is going on, that's a big deal. Everybody else is going to follow that. Quinn Richardson with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. A lot of people are killing Nick Nurse today because of those timeout. That timeout out of three minutes left, and and his explanation is sound. Like he thought his team was gassed and that they need to have a break. I understand that. If 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 your best player is not um, giving you what you want from a production standpoint, it was it was it odd. Yes, but he knows Jonathan, his team better than I do. Jonathan, so, Jonathan. yeah, yeah. His best player was on a ten to zero run by himself. Right. That was an awful timeout. And let me tell you why. If you, if, if This is a little-known secret about basketball players. When you got the ball and it's in your hand, you ain't never tired. You're not hurt no more. You're not, no, you've, seen, you've seen players limping, doing this and that. They get the ball and they go into their move and make a bucket. You're like, how did they do that? Then they go back to limping and they back tired. Like, when you get the ball, and especially in the mode that he is, if that was NBA Jam, he would have been on fire. He's not calling a timeout, Jonathan Z. He's not calling a timeout. He's going to get a bucket because it's a for sure bucket because I'm on fire right now. I got 10, I'm got i on a 10-0 run by myself. I'm on fire. You the cooler. To- you took me out. You you called, it, you called a timeout, gave him a chance to make an adjustment, put Iggy in the game, and and now they can game plan and load up. We got to get the ball out of his hand. I had a one-on-one option while I'm on fire. <laughs> so you and said my that... coach called the timeout. 
Right. So you're saying that Kawhi was not tired during that 10-0 run, right? When I'm saying that possession, when he said that my guys were gassed, like some of the players might have been a little tired. The Warriors players were tired too. The guy with the ball was not. And he was about to score or go to the basket and try and score. And he was supposed to be given that opportunity. If that had been a Kobe or a LeBron or somebody, he they would have been demonstrative coming back to the bench. Like, what is going on? Why do we call it? They would have been upset about that timeout being called. And they would have showed it. So that would have been you going after, not necessarily the head coach, but the assistant for sure, right? <laughs> I mean, some of the, some of these guys, I mean, hey, you know, Kobe might have said something to the head coach. You never right. know. <laughs> So here's here's what's going on because I need the, you need to have this explanation because you saw this on on my Twitter Twitter dot com tweet J Hood. So your loudmouth counterpart, um, Hot Take Hollins, <laughs> Ryan Hollins, right? Triple H. Yes, right. Hot Take Hollins says that he said last time he was on this program that if the Raptors win, he's going to do ten straight shows with me, ten straight appearances. Oh, if the Raptors yeah. win, yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, that that sounds good, but do I really want Hockley Hollins on my show 10 straight times? <laughs> well, I mean, you can look at it two ways. You know he's going to say something outrageous at least once a show. He's going to give you one a show where you're going to just, you're going to have to say, hold on, we need to take a time out. Let me just, let me just digest this for a minute. Let me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's going to give you something that's going to make you scratch your head. Laugh or do something. That's why. I, I, that's why I love hanging with. He always do something that I know I'm gonna look at him and say, "Ryan, you're not serious right now." And he's gonna get more excited and say, "I absolutely am," and gonna let you know why. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Giannis is not special, bro. Yeah. Um, hear me, hear me now, hear me, Giannis. Is- <laughs> Pause. Giannis is oh, not God. special. Pause. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's good and bad. Like he might be on the show 10 straight times if the Raptors win this champion. That's what he said. So, uh, I guess I'm going to tell people about the knuckleheads podcast because you have made a great transition from off the floor on behind the mic. Tell us about the podcast, man. It's something that, you know, me and Darius kind of, kind of stumbled into, man. It was, we, we had, uh, we did two great, uh, stories, editorial stories with the players Tribune. And um, when he did his piece, I did the guest editing. And, um, you know, it, we had, you know, obviously we got great chemistry, man, and people got a chance to kind of get a glimpse of it. And so they felt we were funny and charismatic with each other or whatever. And so they was trying to figure out what should, you know, what should we do next? We got to do something with you guys. And so one thing led to another, and we did like a pilot for the for the podcast. We Drew Gooden is my neighbor in Orlando. We had him come over and we, we um had we did him as the first one as a pilot. And, you know, the guy came the the uh the producer Carl came back was like, Man, this is this this is cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this was actually cool. I think we should try and do it. And so once we decided to like do it, it was it was kinda cool because we got a lot of good relationships with people. So we had a lot of people show love to us. You know, AI, G P, K D Jimmy Butler, Pat Dev, D-Way, UD, everybody, you know, and then it was like, from that point, it was more so just about us doing it and just putting them out there and like getting the, you know, nobody ever really said no to us. It was all about scheduling. And so yes. now, you know, we completed our first season and right now we just, uh, we're in the middle of negotiating the second year, the second year and uh, 
I'm about to be back out there. I like that. It's refreshing. It's, and for those that need to subscribe to that, again, it's a Knuckleheads podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn app. It's on YouTube. It's on, and you can get the RSS feed from there as well. The Knuckleheads podcast support, support Chicago's own Quentin Richardson. Yes, that time, that time. Yes, please, please uh, subscribe to that because. And by the way, if I'm not mistaken, y'all made a couple, made some news when you talk to. See, and this is my philosophy. I've said this for a long time is that your podcast or like a, a GCI or power 92 can get more news, sports news. When an athlete goes into like your environment or goes to an FM station, it's more relaxed because they're not expecting any, like, I don't know if they don't expect the sports media to be around, but there's a lot more relaxed atmosphere. Like listen to you talk to athletes, you get more out of that conversation and you, they, you can get on like, ESPN sometimes or other places. And I think well, that's I mean, true. The, the, I think I think the biggest conference zone that we have is that they know we're we all we all are in the same fraternity. I'm one of them. They one of us. You know what I'm saying? We've all been on the negative side of the media, and that's one of the first things we tell them. Like we already know everybody and have some sort of relationship with them, but we still do our little spiel and let them know. Like, look. This ain't about clickbait. This ain't about controversy. This is about some OGs chopping it up. We fans of everybody we didn't brought on the pod. We want to show love and um, talk about cool, fun stories that normal media can't get because they're not privileged to to our fraternity like that. Our, we like a secret society, so to speak. It's only so many of us, and we all know each other. Myself and Darius, we feel like we gatekeepers because we know some of the old heads. Some of the guys in the middle, and we know the young boys too. So we able to, you know, bridge that gap and talk to everybody. How can I be down? How can I get in? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, um, the, un- um, the unfortunate part about that is you had to play in the league. When you play oh. in the league, you automatically get a certain you get a certain acceptance to it. Just like when I when I went to work for Detroit and player development. And I slid into that role. It was it was more. I was I was viewed as a as an OG vet, not somebody who like worked for the team and they don't want to talk to and tell me what's going on. They was easy to come to me and talk to me because they knew that I I did that. I sat in that seat and I didn't represent myself as somebody that was like an insurgent or an informant. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have took the job if they had me doing that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if nothing else, I can you know just get the food for y'all and you know. Just wait outside. Watch the car. <laughs> I can't be on the and I can't be in the circle, but I can be on the outside. Uh, don't forget the Knuckleheads podcast with uh, Quinn Richardson and watch him on ESPN. Give his thoughts about the NBA Finals. As always, my man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, sir, Jay Hood. All good. Anytime, man. You know this shot time. All right, it's Q Rich with us here on Under the Hood. Uh, coming up, we will bear down. We will take a look at some of the storylines around the Bears. Ah, you know. Camps are open. Little mini camps are open all across the NFL. We'll talk about the Bears coming up next. We're Bear Down right here on UTH. I tried to show You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yep. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger Flame here in sickle mode. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. It's the Cubs. It's the Rockies. Here's Jesse Rogers from Denver. Jess? All right, Jay Hood. Cubs trailing 2-1 as the Rockies come to bat in the bottom of the third inning. Jason Award with a home run to left field. Opposite field shot got the Cubs on the board at the second. Uh, that cut the lead in half as uh, Colorado put up two in the first inning off of Jose Quintana. He struggled a little bit. Uh, walked Nolan Arenado. Put men on, two men on, and of course Daniel Murphy, the Cubs killer, improved on his career 3.33 average against the Cubs. He doubled the right field to score two easily. Those are the two rocky runs. Hayward with the home run. It's two one. Bottom of the third. Back to you. Great journeys always reveal one thing: the strength you never knew you had before you left. There's a snap. It's a good one. Thomas puts it in the air. It's gone. It's gone. We're going to get physical. We're going to get ugly. Trubisky, play action to the end zone. Touchdown, Bears! Rotate on three. One, two, three. Rotate! Hester under it. Backs up to his 16. Runs right now. 45 40. The putter to beat. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Windy City Flyers! It is time to bear down Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We always give you a little NFL, give you a little Bears as we count down the days to Bourbon A. Many camps are opening up around the National Football League, including right here with the Chicago Bears. And it's been a very interesting time because we're talking about 100 years of Bears football. There's been a lot of celebrations that have taken place with the Chicago Bears, a lot of the old Bears coming together uh, with the new Bears. Um, and, of course, in the NFL, as you well know, it's really about the quarterback, right? The focus is on the quarterback, how Mitch Trubisky can get better from last year to this year. And as I mentioned to you before, there is some room for improvement for sure. It's one thing to fall in love with a quarterback because he's not Jay Cutler. It's another thing to look at the production of the offense. And there was a lot of fun, a lot of razzle-dazzle with the offense, a little sleight of hand. But now we're looking for... Uh, incremental success, year-to-year success for Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback for this team. And so during one of the panels uh, that took place over the weekend with some of the older Bears working with some of the new Bears and having conversations, they had a quarterback panel with the punky QB, of course, the, the punky QB being Jim McMahon, who was the quarterback when the Bears won the Super Bowl in 1985. McMahon and Trubisky had a conversation about being a high-drafted quarterback and being able to produce because of that draft pick. Let's listen, listen to that conversation with uh, Jim McMahon and Mitch Trubisky. You know, you guys are unique because Jim was drafted before I came to the Bears and then Mitch drafted in the position you were in. Man, there's a lot of attachment to hope when you guys get drafted by the Chicago Bears in the position you have. Jim, it was a lot of years before there was a successful quarterback. And Mitch, you know the circumstance here. Both of you guys get drafted with all the hope. Baseball, you get drafted, you may may never see the field. You guys are drafted where you're drafted. You bring a lot of hope that's attached to that position. Is that motivating or is that pressure for both of you guys? Yeah, I think it's motivating. um, Because obviously it's a dream come true to get drafted as high as you do. And then you know you're going to start because they take you that high and you're going to be put in eventually. So you just prepare yourself as much as possible. And then when the opportunity comes, you just try to make the most of it. 
but uh, it, it's amazing that I think it, it gives you a lot of confidence as a player that you see a team that when they pick you that high that they believe in your abilities, they believe in who you are as a person, and they just want to see you go out there, play your game, and, and do the best you possibly can. But I think the two things I learned in Chicago is that you got you just got to play with a lot of confidence, and then you got to have thick skin, and you just got to continue to give it all, improve your game, put your heart in, in, into this, uh, into practices, and and love the fans, and and win games, and they'll love you back. Jim, when you got drafted, you know, you know, you're talking about George Hallis the, and the whole crew that you were drafted by. Yeah, I had to, I had to deal with Mr. Hallis when I first came here, and uh, I, I, I felt like I was lucky because I didn't have uh, a guy like John Elway or Dan Marino to sit behind. I had Bob Abilene and Vince Evans were the QBs when I got here, and uh, so there was pressure not only for me to play, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. I felt that I was a better quarterback even as a rookie. And uh, I think I started the third game that year and, and, and pretty much after that. But it, it took a while. Um, it took a while for them to understand who I was. Uh, Coach Dick and I, uh, we fought quite a bit. Um, but I think he finally understood that I, I was trying to win ball games. I wasn't doing things to make him mad. I mean, you were in those huddle a lot. And uh, he would send in plays that even you knew wouldn't work. So uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me trying to upset him. It was just me trying to win games, and we had different philosophy on how to do that. And uh, I kept telling him, look, we don't need to run into a brick wall all, the, all day long. You know, Walter was, a, Walter was a hell of a receiver, too. We could have used him a lot more out of the backfield, which I tried, wanted to do for years. But uh, we finally started getting into that about 84 and 85, and then things started rolling. <laughs> Great to hear from Jim McMahon and Mitch Trubisky on the same panel um, and uh, Tom Thayer on the mic there as you we bear down here. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Great uh, thoughts there from Jim McMahon. Jim, even back then, 83, 84, 85, wanted to be able to throw the football out in the flat to uh, Walter. And Ditka just wanted to run between the tackles. <laughs> and that was the, that's actually how football was played offensively. You want to be able to have a running back that can continue to run the football 25, 30, 35 times as possible. But it's interesting, Jim's perspective on that now here in 2019. More on the Bears from the NFL Network. Uh, Mitch Trubisky talked about a number of things, talking about, obviously, his head coach, uh, Matt Nagy, and how they have got a, a special relationship, Trubisky and Nagy. It's a special relationship building, and it, it's very easy to communicate with Coach Nagy, and that's the number one thing, number one thing you want bet, uh, between head coach and quarterbacks, just constant communication. Uh, the vision that he has for this team in his head, he just con- continues to communicate to, that, to me daily what he sees for this team, for this offense, what he envisions on each play, and then I'm just an extension of that on the field, just trying to see the game through his, his eyes, finding completions, uh, spreading the ball around, getting the ball down the field, and, and trying to make to life that that vision he has in his head so it's kind of constant communications it's um it's very fun to be around him he's he's very passionate high energy um very creative he's fun to be around and, and we don't have a single boring day here in chicago it's always fun it's always laughs uh we, we make sure we're, we're playing the game the right way and, that, and that's hard uh tough but we're having fun at the same time also, Trubisky was talking about what he wants to improve on for this upcoming season. Along with master offense, I'm trying to take the next step with my eyes and just throwing in rhythm and really anticipating throws. So um, not just seeing what the defense gives me, anticipating what they're going to give me and, and reacting accordingly and trying to be a step ahead of defense uh, as as 
as opposed to uh, being behind a step in the defense. So um, just just seeing it early and, and reacting and getting completions. I like what Matt Nagy had to say about trying to carry the tradition of the uniform tradition of Chicago Bears football. Some great thoughts from Matt Nagy in that regard. We talk about uh, right now carrying the tradition of, of wearing that jersey and what it means to this city, to this organization. Uh, they're not just wearing it for themselves, but they're wearing it for every single Chicago Bear that ever came through this building and came through the city. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, they're, they're excited to, to do that, but they also understand that there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and uh, it doesn't happen easily. And, and one of the deals, things we're talking about this year is complacency. You can't get complacent, and we are chasing great, and we're teaching it every day to our players on how to do that. Thoughts there from the head coach for the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy. And lastly, I'm sure you might have seen this come across your phone by now, right? About Hard Knocks on HBO. I didn't watch it last year. Didn't watch Hard Knocks last year. I'll watch it this year because Hard Knocks this year, John Gruden's Oakland Raiders. So are you are you trying to be the darlings of HBO or are you trying to win football games? Do you know since Gruden's been there, there's been like three or four different philosophy shifts from the Oakland Raiders. They were going to be all in by just trying to focus on the quarterback and trying to make sure offensively they were getting better incrementally. And and then they said, no, we're not going to just go and and tear it all down and try to rebuild. Now we're going to go with veterans. We're going to get Antonio Brown, which is okay to have a polarizing receiver like Antonio Brown because when his head's on straight, you know he's going to be able to provide a lot of offense, a lot of great plays. But then you go to left guard Richie Incognito. Why? Knowing his off-the-field issues and some of his problems that he's had uh, as a football player, why is he good for your football team? John Gruden, who was when he worked for this company, everybody was the greatest player to ever play. Everybody was great. There were no mediocre players. There were no players that need to work on things. Everybody was great. It's just it, this is going to be an interesting test once again. It does not matter how good a guy is, how good a talent is on television or on radio. And they tell you that this is how I see things. This should happen. This should happen. And those people are dynamic behind the mic. But when you put them on the sidelines, there is no guarantee that 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 guy that you've seen behind the mic can lead your team to championships. There's certain examples of this where this has worked out well, right? But with John Gruden, after all those years away from the NFL, this feels more like Steve Spurrier coming from college to the pros, away from the game, and back on the sidelines. It feels like a lot of examples of of coaches that were away and get one more run of the thing, and they found out that they're behind the times. This is not going to work out well in the short term for the Raiders. He's got 10 years, but just the idea that the Raiders have decided, in a, in a, a disarray, by the way, in disarray, that they're going to be on hard knocks is just amazing. Well, what's compelling television, right? A team that's in disarray. This is why the Raiders will be interesting on Hard Knocks. And that's Bear Down right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Tales from the Hood is next. Your hood to J-Hood. I excel, then prevail. The mic is contacted, I attract clientele. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood. 
on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN app, we're looking for a sponsor. If you have a business and you love Tales from the Hood, reach out to us. We need a sponsor for Tales from the Hood. It's the longest running segment in the history of ESPN 1000, as far as I know. Uh, how about this story from Mississippi? A laundromat attack after spat about washing machines caught on video. So a Mississippi laundromat employee was attacked by a customer in a wild encounter that was caught on video. Sherry McClatchy, who works at the Clothes Basket in Holly Springs, said that in the two years of her laundromat, she has never had any trouble at all, never crossed anybody. On Friday, she reminded two female customers not to overload the washing machines, which is when a third woman chimed in telling her it would be the laundromat's responsibility if the washing machines broke. Just started telling her, just started telling me how she was a law student. It had nothing to do with her. She was just another customer in here using the dryer. Soon after, McClatchy said that she was slammed against the dryer at the laundromat. The two women were caught on camera fighting in the business. Eventually, the customer's wigs fell off, and the two fell on the floor. McClatchy said that she walked out of the laundromat, but the customer followed her, which is when the employee said that she drew her gun, scaring the customer. <laughs> now, wait just a second. Do you have to pull a gun at the laundromat? Yes, I know those spots are in the laundromat are precious. Yes, I understand that. But the, the but the late the young lady said, "Look, if these machines overload, you know what? It's going to be the uh, the responsibility of the laundromat." I totally get it. But is it worth fighting? Is it worth losing your wig over at the laundromat? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And I see the video here. We'll post it uh, at Tweet J Hood so you can see this for yourself. But you got to see these wigs flying uh, as they go back and forth about washing machines. Uh, it's great video. Um, how about this? If you love Ratchet, and I love Ratchet, um, hot wings, hot chicken wings, blamed for Canada teens 105 miles an hour speeding ticket. Blame it on the chicken wings. A teen driver in Canada who was busted for speeding said that he was driving so fast because he had eaten hot wings and really needed to use the bathroom. 16-year-old was driving a Chevy Camaro when it was pulled over uh, by the Canadian uh, police uh, in Manitoba last week. He had been driving 105 miles an hour, was fined $727 for speeding and more than $150 for driving while a, su- a supervising driver. So you're going to blame Hot Wings for driving so fast. Yes. And that's a bad car. Look at the car. It's nice. It's it's cherry red, this uh, this Camaro that this kid's driving. 16-year-old, you don't blame it on the wings. Listen, <laughs> when I eat wings, I just keep it in that right at 55 because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and I'm getting my steering wheel greasy at the same time. You, oh, you got to have the the wings next to you. When you look, if you have wings next to you, like in a in the passenger seat, that's all good. Ah, nice greasy steering wheel, that's all all good. 105 miles an hour trying to get to the bathroom because of chicken wings, because of hot wings. I've never had to do that. And that is tales from the hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, coming up, we'll talk about the NBA uh, draft. It's right around the corner. Sean Farnham's going to be with us. From ESPN, getting his thoughts on what the Bulls could do at number seven. And don't forget, it's 9.35, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. If you're a wrestling fan, I got you coming up at 9.35. All part of the mix on UTH.
Jonathan Hood. Tech they joints the nine nickels. Man, I stay on point like obstacles. On ESPN 1000.